Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, or reviving through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that one time in the Bible that Joseph reveals his secret identity, almost like Superman or Spider-Man or any of those uh, <laughs> superhero movies that we watched when we were growing up as kids. Today, I'm hanging out with Jonathan, and uh, we're looking at Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 15. Did you get any superhero vibes in, in this chapter when you were reading it, by any chance? Oh, bro. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll let that idea just fall and die. I just like the uh, I like the titles for the YouTube algorithm. We're trying to figure out what way do we uh, do we get the attention, get people to click on these videos. The time Joseph revealed his super secret identity. Super secret identity. Took off his son, his glasses, and he was like, "It's me." Okay, so if you didn't get superhero vibes, what was standing out to you from this chapter? Oh well, if um, well, I mean, it's just the typology at this point in the game. I think at this point in Genesis, we ought to be very, very sensitive to the typology mm -hmm. of um, Jesus. Yeah, right. I mean, here you have Joseph, who is now in the midst of his brothers, and he finally reveals himself, and the revelation is. God sent me ahead yeah. to actually preserve your life, mm. right? And I think that that typology right there should probably echo really greatly um, to a couple of specific scenes in the life of Jesus. I'm wondering if what I'm hearing, maybe you're hearing. I want to say the cross because it feels like anytime there's a question about Jesus, the cross is always the right answer. So I'm going to say the cross. Cross and, for $500. And you would be wrong. Oh, right? no. it's, it's after the cross. Yeah. Okay. If you think of, uh, I think it's in Matthew 28. Yeah. Do you think of Matthew 28? Well, prior to that, the oh. resurrection. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Because the resurrection in Matthew 28, 10, if you go there, um, he says, uh, ESV. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my 
brothers oh. to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Mm. Right. And so the, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit surprised because this is, I feel like this is the first time, first time that the cross was the wrong answer. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, everything's been about the cross all the time, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the, where Jesus, where Joseph is a messianic figure and right, right. That here is the unveiling of, I mean, this is the seeds of the messianic secret, right? Hmm. If you think about the book of Mark, the first eight chapters of the book of Mark, Jesus is doing superhero type stuff. Sure. He's just casting out demons. Oh, wait, so hold on. You're saying that the superhero reveal is oh, in fact in the chapter. Is, You're clowning me. <laughs> uh, even Jesus even has a cape that yeah, if people touch it, yeah. they get healed, right? right. There you uh, go. The woman in Mark chapter four or five. Um, and so the messianic secret is that Jesus is moving in such a way that he is more than what he looks like, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that the messianic secret is revealed that, you know, to, to, to Peter, like, who do you say that I am? Wow. It's like you Secret are identity is Secret revealed. Identity is revealed. <laughs> right? And so you see that in Joseph, that he has somewhat of a messianic secret in front of his brothers mm. where they don't know that he's the one who has been sent ahead of them to actually preserve their life. And wow. the way that he's been uh, sent ahead is by going through the pit of death. Like mm-hmm. he's actually been thrown literally into the pit, right? The symbolism. And he's gone through the the suffering of enslavement, as it were, right? right? Which is what Jesus suffers when he suffers death on our behalf, mm-hmm. which is the wages of our enslavement to sin, right. right? So the wages of sin is death. Jesus suffers the wages of our enslavement. Joseph is a slave uh, in a proper way. Um, he is resurrected by coming out and being full of the spirit of God. Right. Mm-hmm. I think he's the first reference in scripture. That's yeah, like the first one that says he had uh, the spirit. Of he God. has the spirit of God. And this is Pharaoh after he correctly interprets the dreams. Like where, you know, where can we find a man like this? Right. And this is Jesus when he emerges full of the spirit. I mean, he went down full of the spirit, but now he emerges in this new uh, activity, right? The theological circles would call it the new theandric activity where he is incarnated God, man, right? The mm-hmm. hypostatic union. But now he is a s- different sort of human because now he's a human from the celestial realm, the spirit body of First Corinthians 15. And Joseph emerges as a new sort of uh, figurehead after his... Um, after his ascension from the pit of slavery, right? He is now somewhat deified, Hmm. right? Because he now divination, second only to Pharaoh. And so all of these callbacks are there. So when he unveils himself to his brothers, he's unveiling himself in this almost, yes, super heroic, (laughs) supernatural uncovering. This is coming full circle. Makes me feel real. I want to just... Pat myself on the back here. When I saw where that was going, I was a little mad at myself. Like, dang it, I walked right into it. And right, and so you have, I mean, think about this. Like, go tell my brothers. And then when they meet him, think about, all right, think about if if you follow where he appears to them, Mm. right? He literally appears to his brothers and he's like, yo, don't fear. Hmm. It's me when they're praying. Yeah, I think I think that's that's super cool. I'm hearing the tie-in to that uh, upper room where they're meeting in fear for their lives. Yada yada yada. 
Um, but I, what I, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. get rid of all, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that Jesus stuff. No, no, uh, <laughs> I realized how that came across when I said yada yada yada. But it, but I like how it, it, if this is the proper way, which I, I'm I'm making the connections, I'm following you where you're going. If this is the right lens with which us we we can see this story through, it also reveals the heart of Jesus in these moments. Like here's here's Joseph, a man who's been betrayed, he's been abused, he's been just through the ringer for the sake of his brothers. And yet his first inclination is don't worry about it. Like, don't be stressed. Like, don't be afraid. Like there's no need to feel negative emotions about what has transpired over the course of your entire life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a a beautiful revelation of the heart of God. When we come to Christ, when we put faith in him, one of the kind of uh, emotions, and I think it's a justified emotion is like, you feel really terrible about all the crap that you did and all the ways that you mess up and like, yeah, cool. That's justified. And yet in the middle of all that, the word from the Lord is, Hey, don't fear. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. Like that's not the point. And Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes we, we in the church have done, I know that I have, Mm -hmm. I I won't say you or anyone else, but I know that I have made the cross all about the ways that we've screwed up, messed up, fallen short, done all the things and how we should really, really, really feel bad about it. Yeah. I resist that. You resist what? This, what you're saying, the sentiment, you know, that I do now and on this side of freedom. Sure. And on, I, I resist with, oh. The, with, the, you resist the sentiment that it's all about you suck and you should feel bad? Yeah, man. Yeah. I hate that. I hate it. Like, yeah. I, I have a strong aversion to it. <laughs> like, this whole idea of, like, when you sin, you need to look at the face of God and see how sad it makes him. Uh, like, no. No. You should look at sin and see how horrible it is sure. because you weren't created for it. And mm-hmm. God is sad when you're in sin because like it's affecting you. Right. Like this idea of like, Oh, when I sin, it affects God because he loves me. So I make him so sad. Like what kind of silly arrogance is that? Like, it's about like in this way about you, like God is focused on our well being at all times. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And he wants the best for us. So when we give ourselves over to fear and stupidity, like the cumulative effect is like, it sucks for you. Hmm. Like, it sucks for him because he loves us so, but it's like, it's a terrible condition for you. Don't yeah. be there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then Joseph on this end is like, I'm good. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm in the middle of God's plan. Yeah, like, like, well, y'all meant for evil. God turned out for good. Right. Like the problem is y'all don't mm. fear, like mm. be at peace, be mm. okay. Because that reception of that view of God's love for us is what actually puts integrity into us, but it also frees us from the burden of carrying God's heart dependent on our actions hmm. in some way. You yeah. see, you hear yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, like he, uh, in this sense that like, obviously God notices when we fall, he notices when a hair falls from our head, but, but the way that sometimes we have, I have painted uh, the way that God responds to our sin is that like, he's a slave to what I do. And like yeah. his, his emotions are so unhinged that when I do something, oh my goodness, like it's this horrible thing for him. And it's like, it is horrible, but not for his sake. It's, it's horrible for us because he loves <laughs> yes. me. And so when he sees me fall, like it affects him because he cares about me. Yeah, but yeah. It doesn't affect him. That's like if Maddie is walking around and Maddie, your one-year-old who we love, Maddie's walking around and you imagine if he's a little older, and he chopped like somehow, I don't know, chops off his finger. Oh, no. Right. And he looks at you and he's like, Dad, I'm so sorry. I broke your heart. <laughs> and you're looking at him like, No, your finger. Right. <laughs> it's like, Bro, it's all you're like, I'm hurt because you're hurt. Yeah. Like, 
your hurt didn't hurt me. Yeah, you, and, and maybe more specifically, you didn't hurt me. Yeah, like, I'm hurt because you're hurt. Yeah. Because right? my heart hurts for you. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. But if the reversal of it now is like, if I'm okay, then you be okay. Right? right? The, right. In, in Joseph's story, is like, okay, yeah, y'all betrayed me, hmm. but I'm okay. Yeah. Since I'm okay, you be okay. Isn't it the radical thing? Like we, we talk about this a lot, living life in freedom, where it's we, we live from a perspective, and maybe emotionally it doesn't always add up, but the, where we return back to is we live at nobody's expense. Like we're, we're, yeah. No one owes us anything yeah. because we've received everything already from Christ. Jesus, and Jesus is standing with his brothers, like, go tell my brothers, right? I got even more to give. Yeah, and remember, these are the guys who all abandoned him. Mm-hmm. The last interaction he had with them is when they all disappeared. Ooh, now that's starting to sound like the cross. Yeah, 100%. No, there it is, right? <laughs> they, they all disappeared on him. And yeah. how does he position them? Mm. He's like, I'm not going to see you through your failure or your abandonment. Yeah. I'm going to see you through my victory and my success so that you can stand solid on me. But, but before we started recording this episode, I was telling you how, as I've been spending the last however many episodes focused on Joseph's story, how that, that New Testament verse where Jesus is not ashamed to call us brother yeah, Hebrews too. has just landed so much more. You actually made the points in what, two internet churches ago, two mm-hmm. gatherings ago. Um, and you know, I'm like, cool. Like that sounds like a good thing. I can say amen. Cause it sounds like it's the right answer, but emotionally it hasn't really connected at that point. But as I'm spending more time in Joseph's story, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a whole mess of reasons why Jesus on the, uh, from the natural perspective could be. could be ashamed about us. And yet he's not mm-hmm. in all the ways that we have betrayed him mm-hmm. in all the ways that we have abandoned him in all mm-hmm. the ways that we have fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. In the natural, there's, there's a, a large reason why you could be ashamed. And yet he's not. Mm-hmm. Joseph is like, go tell everybody, mm-hmm. I got more to give, bring them over here. I'm going to take care of you. It's going to mm-hmm. be awesome. And, and like, you see it at the very end of this uh, passage for today, like Joseph embraces and kisses all of them, like all of his brothers. Like there's no separation between him because of what they've done. Yeah. I like um, Dan Moeller, who is someone we love dearly, um, says that in the garden, when man was cut off from love, mm-hmm. the heart of love toward man never changed that's why the heart of god in love can still change man Mm. right Mm -hmm. god's heart of love is changing men because his heart of love never changed towards man Mm. right and so this you see this when joseph emerges that he's a manifestation of the father's love through this resurrection and this unveiling of himself like be at peace God's heart towards us was love. I was the instrument. You were walking around in ignorance and darkness and stupidity and what you did. You're going to localize your experience and what you did and then fear my response to you now because I have power. Hmm. No, not hmm. at all. Like the power was a gift from God to save us all. And right. my heart is still towards you. So fear not. Hmm. And this is Jesus at the resurrection. He meets with these guys who abandoned him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, fear not. <laughs> it's all right. Like, it's it's all, all good. Right? Like, continue to put your faith and trust in me because mm. my heart is good towards you. Mm. My heart is good towards you. I don't need you to do anything. My heart is good toward you. Judah is the figure, who, at least according to this narrative, is the one who is kind of bearing the burden of betrayal. Mm-hmm. And in the New Testament, there's a dude whose name sounds a lot like Judah, who mm-hmm. bears the burden of betrayal mm-hmm. and yet goes the opposite route mm-hmm. than what we've seen in Judah in the previous chapter. That's right, Judas. Judas. Yeah. 
Is there a connection there? Like my minds are just opening up. I don't know. I don't know. That'd be a good one. That'd be a good one to pursue. But there is this thematic connection Mm -hmm. because when you talk about feeling bad for your sin, Mm -hmm. like, do you know who felt really bad for his sin? Judas. Judas. Yeah. Right. And look how that turned out. Yeah. Look how feeling bad, like localizing your standing with God and feeling bad for your sin. Interesting. So Judas in getting caught up in his emotion and maybe even justified emotion in relationship to his sin, but being caught up in that as opposed to what the cross actually reveals. And it doesn't reveal your greatest betrayal, your greatest failure Mm -hmm. ever in your whole life, but it's actually a moment in which God sent me, not you. Yeah. Like, I'm still, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be upset with yourselves. Like, God sent me to do this. Yeah, the text talks about Judas, that he felt this deep shame and grief because he betrayed an innocent man, Mm. right? He didn't see Jesus correctly as the son of God who came to save people Mm. from sin and deliver them from the clutches of death, right? right? He saw the betrayal of an innocent man and he felt the weight and the shame of that, right? So I think there's something to be said there about the way we actually view Jesus via his unveiling to us. Mm. Like you can't localize your sense and understanding of me through your feeling bad of what you did. Right. You need to localize your understanding and unveiling of me through my unveiling of myself. Right. I love yeah. Jesus saying this. And then who and what you are and what you've done is correctly seen. Right. Yeah. yeah. So these thoughts. Hmm. I have one other thing in the passage that I wanted to maybe point out. And it's always scary for me. On the, um, Like we just have this great like, amen. Yes, yeah. we could end the episode there. But I still have a lingering question and it might yeah. literally be nothing. And you might just be like, good question. I don't know. Yeah. So it feels like a risk. But there's this pass, part in uh, verse 2 where it talks about Joseph breaking down and weeping. And then it's it mentions that he weeps so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him. And word of it carries to Pharaoh's palace. Mm-hmm. Super interesting detail. Yeah. Like the fact that his grief is so audible. Yeah. Like that it's literally being heard by so many people yeah. that he's just breaking down. And yeah. now word goes to Pharaoh. And I'm just wondering, is that a, I don't know. It, do you have any insight as to why that's not just a passing phrase? It's just an interesting detail, or is is there something that we can maybe glean from this as well? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, and then that's the end of the episode. Hey, um, you know, we are rounding up the the rest of the season. It's like literally just a couple more episodes before this season is over. And uh, I wonder if this is the proper place for you and I to talk about what next season of the move is going to look like and kind of just some of the plans that we're making. It's not a finalized plan, but you and I are strategizing over what's next because this season is over and it's not as though we want this journey to end. We're, we're, we're all along for the ride and things are exciting. So is this maybe you can walk us through some of the kind of what we're looking at for the next season and, and just some of the ideas that we're playing with. Certainly. So right now we're running a beta trial of internet church, mm-hmm. right? Just kind of trying to calibrate the dials on how to best actually do church online and plant the church online. And uh, the desire... Which, the way, our next gathering is May 6th, I believe. It's okay. I want to make sure, make sure, sure. that I, I don't forget like I did last time. Yeah, yeah. May 6th, Friday, um, 9 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Um, and so one of the ways that we believe a church should have something that church should have in its repertoire is a discipleship arm and mm-hmm. ongoing um, 
edification and we think that the move can do that. So the move will be transitioning to being directly tied to Internet Church mm-hmm. and that which we're covering at Internet Church is what we'll be moving through. And the first series that we will tackle on Internet Church is uh, the sanctuary. So Ooh. the theme of the sanctuary in scripture, and we're going to be spending a summer in the sanctuary. So the move will transition to uh, the theme of the sanctuary in scripture over the course of the summer. Now, I know for a lot of a large percentage of our audience, they're, they're raised in the same denominational culture that you and I were raised. And when we hear the word sanctuary, the, the initial emotional attachment to that is, ooh, because that's what we're supposed to say. Mm-hmm. But then also there's probably a good chunk of those people who are saying, ooh, but why is that important? Mm-hmm. And then there's the whole other part of our audience that's like, not even like they're completely agnostic when it comes to Adventism and the culture around the sanctuary. So give me a little bit more as to why this is a theme worth consideration. So the sanctuary is a teaching tool, a heuristic, right? Um, Both a teaching tool and a theme that is in the earliest pages of scripture. And it's all the way in the last pages of scripture. And the sanctuary is always where God dwells with his people. Mm. And Eden was actually created as a sanctuary. There's strong sanctuary language in Eden. Uh, Adam and Eve were actually, they they seem to be priests that are working in that sanctuary. And then in uh, the book of Revelation, the whole story ends with God dwelling with man on earth as a whole new sanctuary. So that the task of Adam and Eve at the beginning is actually completed at the end via the dwelling of Jesus on earth with a kingdom of priests. So the sanctuary is this tool that actually, and a theme that uh, presents, uh, I think, the core message of scripture, which is God with us, right? Mm. Through Jesus, right? And so the sanctuary shows up all over the place. uh, And we just want to probe that idea. And we hold that the sanctuary is the revelation of Jesus and Jesus is revealed in the sanctuary. So that as we discover truths about the sanctuary, we discover truths about the incarnation of Jesus and his dwelling with us as Emmanuel. So this is exciting because we know that from Genesis, you go through Exodus, you go through Leviticus, you go through a lot of those kind of really tedious early books of the Old Testament. And a large time we're asking, why is that there? What's the point? And, and what I'm hearing is sanctuary is, is part of an unveiling of what all that is pointing towards. And then you mentioned how it's also in the last pages of scripture, meaning that there's also some prophetic element. If you, we've been wanting to understand why is the Old Testament so weird and nitty gritty and all these details. And hey, what's the idea with prophecy in the book of Revelation that there's an actual consistent theme between that first beginning of the Bible, the end of the Bible and everything in between, including Jesus. That's what the sanctuary is all about. 100%. Woo-hoo-hoo, gonna be fun. 